Hello, and welcome to this week's Three Shifts edition by Six Pages, the source for far-reaching market shifts and what they mean. It's June 4th, 2021. I'm Eric Thompson, and here are the three shifts that you need to know this week. One, ransomware attacks on critical infrastructure are ramping up. Two, the first DNA printer to market will synthesize DNA in as little as six hours. And three, Instacart considers a massive pivot to automated fulfillment centers. Shift one, ransomware attacks on critical infrastructure are ramping up. Last Sunday, the world's largest meat producer, JBS, suffered a ransomware attack on its IT systems in North America and Australia. The attack caused JBS, the top beef producer in the U.S., representing 23% of U.S. beef capacity with over 15 million pounds produced every day, to shut down all nine of its U.S. beef plants on Monday. Plants were also shuttered in Australia and Canada, and operations were impacted in at least seven U.S. facilities of JBS's majority-owned pork and chicken affiliate Pilgrim's Pride. Over 10,000 workers were affected by the shutdowns. JBS has indicated that it is not aware of any compromise to customer, supplier, or employee data. Because JBS had backup servers that were unaffected, the quote-unquote vast majority of operations were able to resume Wednesday, and JBS expects lost production to be recovered by the end of next week. The attack is expected to squeeze already tight meat supplies and raise prices at grocery stores and restaurants, at least through next week. The FBI is attributing the cyber attack to a Russian cyber criminal group known as Revil, which has targeted over 237 organizations since 2020. Revil operates a ransomware-as-a-service operation where it develops customizable malware and recruits affiliates to deploy against corporate targets under a revenue-sharing scheme. Revil has been connected to multiple attacks in just March through April 2021, including attempts against Acer, Apple supplier Quanta and Apple, French pharma firm Pierre Fabre, and French electronics manufacturing company Astille Flash. Demands have ranged from $24 million to $50 million, with the ransom doubling if not paid on time. There has been a significant uptick in the frequency of ransomware attacks and size of demand, with critical infrastructure increasingly targeted. Last month's attack on Colonial Pipeline, which carries 45% of the U.S. East Coast's fuel, resulted in a six-day shutdown, extensive fuel shortages in the region, and a $4.4 million ransom payment to Russian hacker group DarkSide, believed to be a Revil split-off. Sectors like food, manufacturing, and shipping are targets because of their critical operations paired with relatively weak security protocols. Cybercriminals are looking for low-hanging fruit, such as legacy industrial systems connected to the internet with relatively few protections in place. In October 2020, a Revil representative said in an online interview that the agriculture sector would be a primary target for attacks going forward. Overall, over 40 food companies have been targeted with ransomware attacks over the past year. For example, Molson Coors and E&J Gallo Winery. Ransomware is the most profitable malware and can be a spectacularly lucrative business for hacking groups. Revenue streams can come from ransom payments, auction of sensitive information, sale of software and services, short-selling targeted companies, betting on commodities spikes, and sale of information to unethical traders. In 2020, Ransomware gangs made $350 million in just ransom payments from victim organizations, a 311% increase over 2019. As these proceeds are reinvested, they are propelling the ransomware supply chain and ecosystem forward 
to become increasingly sophisticated and specialized. There are at least 38 ransomware groups, mostly in Russia, with a few in Iran and North Korea. It's not coincidence that these groups are situated in places that have adversarial relationships with the U.S. In some cases, attacks are being conducted by nation-state actors or patriotic quote-unquote hacktivists, operating under government acquiescence if not sponsorship. There's also less risk to hackers as long as they're attacking Western entities and not citizens of their own country. Some malware vendors are known to specifically require that their tools not be used against Russia or CIS entities. U.S. policymakers are taking notice. President Biden recently signed an executive order to protect government networks, requiring IT providers to share breaches and removing contractual barriers to doing so. In a similar vein, the Transportation Security Administration is ramping up pipeline security, requiring operators to notify it of any attacks. The Department of Justice is now treating ransomware on the same priority level as terrorism. Darkside, the hacker group behind Colonial Pipeline, has sought to defuse government retaliation by describing their attack as apolitical and financially motivated in nature, and has since announced it would cease operations. For companies, the pace and sophistication of these attacks means that a quote-unquote secure-the-perimeter mentality is not sufficient. In addition to shoring up quote-unquote people and processes, the source of the vast majority of attacks, companies need to plan for how to prevent an intrusion from cascading across systems and how to bring systems back up when, not if, they go down. A shutdown can be wildly expensive, and some insurance firms are already saying they will stop writing cyber policies that reimburse for ransom payments. For a large firm, what really matters is whether a breach will bring down one server for an hour or a massive part of U.S. critical infrastructure for days. To read more content related to cybersecurity and infrastructure hacks, check out our February 19th, 2021, Three Shifts Edition, Upstream Hacks in Software and Hardware Supply Chains, and our February 12th, 2021, Three Shifts Edition, Water Facility Hack Exposes Flaws in Remote Desktop Software and Industrial Control Systems. Shift 2. The first DNA printer to market will synthesize DNA in as little as six hours. French startup DNAScript is expected to release a first-of-its-kind benchtop quote-unquote DNA printer in the coming months that uses a novel enzymatic approach to DNA synthesis. The system, currently in the third and final phase of evaluation, can reportedly synthesize DNA in 6 to 13 hours, producing 96 usable oligonucleotides, or short strands, also known as oligos. DNA synthesis is key to synthetic biology the creation of organisms and biomolecules with new properties not found in nature. With a range of use cases that include novel therapeutics, industrial enzymes, and chemicals, synthetic biology is projected to become a $31 billion market by 2026. A rapidly growing space even before the pandemic, this past year has only increased the appetite of investors. A record $7.8 billion in financing went to synthetic biology companies in 2020. Traditional DNA synthesis has largely been done the same way since 1981. Scientists construct short oligostrands and stitch them together in a tedious process that involves a hazardous chemical building block, phosphoramidite, and solvents. Longer strands in particular tend to be error-prone, either requiring rework or failing altogether. The process is time-consuming. It can take two weeks to generate one small gene. Sequences longer than 200 nucleotides are often impractical. 
DNA Script's printer, called the Syntax System, aims to make the process dramatically more efficient using enzymatic DNA synthesis, or EDS. It uses a proprietary engineered enzyme to quickly create multiple oligostrands in parallel in an open-air, water-based medium without the need for hazardous chemicals. According to DNA Script, Syntax enables, quote, researchers with little training to upload sequence files, insert the reagent trays, and get started without the need for dedicated, highly specialized personnel, end quote. It claims the printer can be set up in 15 minutes. Because the printer can generate oligos so quickly, 6 to 13 hours, researchers can iterate on designs within the same day. While DNA Script doesn't expect to fully replace phosphoramidite, the printer will address the need for fast, small-scale synthesis. It is eventually expected to be able to create DNA strands multiple times longer than prior methods. Ten organizations have installed and are evaluating the Syntax system in the final phase. Over 30 firms provided feedback in the prior phase. While not yet on the market, DNA Script is already engaging in partnerships around Syntax. In March through April 2021, it partnered with Moderna and GE to use Syntax for new vaccines and therapeutics. Both are part of the DARPA Nucleic Acids on Demand Worldwide Program for the development of rapid mobile manufacturing of vaccines and therapeutics. DNA Script will receive up to $14 million directly in DARPA grants, on top of the $113 million in venture funding it has received so far. DNA Script will be racing against other players looking to bring a next-gen DNA synthesis tool to market, including Evanetics, Nuclera, Ribbon Biolabs, Kamina Bioscience, Molecular Assemblies, and ANSA Biotechnologies, among others. Regardless of which players went out, the net effect will be the acceleration of DNA synthesis and research and shortening of development time for new DNA-based products. To read more content related to pharma and therapeutic discovery, check out our May 21st, 2021, Three Shifts edition, Pharma Companies Invest Billions in AI Drug Discovery. In our March 5th, 2021, Three Shifts edition, The Future of RNA-Based Vaccines and Therapies Beyond COVID-19. Shift 3. Instacart considers a massive pivot to automated fulfillment centers. This week, Bloomberg reported that Instacart, the second-largest grocery delivery player in the U.S. after Walmart, with 45% of the market, is planning to develop a network of automated fulfillment centers in the U.S. Based on plans reviewed, the first facilities were to be opened for testing by the end of 2021. Instacart is currently behind schedule, however and has not yet signed up a grocery chain partner. The report builds on information that surfaced in February 2021 that Instacart had sent requests for proposal out to five robotics vendors and could be installing as many as 50 fulfillment centers over the following year. Instacart has reportedly been exploring ways to incorporate automation in the order picking process for the past year. If the plans bear fruit, Instacart, which currently has over 500,000 gig workers picking up online groceries across 600 retailers in 45,000 locations in North America, could replace a significant portion of its human workers with grocery-picking robots. This, in turn, could let Instacart reduce the up to 25% markup on orders that customers pay today, which includes delivery and service fees, item markups, and tips. Instacart is currently deliberating between two potential plans a set of trade-offs that point to a larger debate within the automated grocery warehouse space, expected to be a $30 billion opportunity by 2026. 
One plan involves larger standalone fulfillment centers, $20 million per facility, each with over 700 robots picking canned and dry goods, while 160 humans fetch perishable items. The second plan involves micro-fulfillment centers attached to a grocery store. At 25,000 square feet and $6.5 million per location, each with 150 robots and 40 humans. It's not clear whether Instacart has the appetite for large-scale, capital-intensive automated warehouses, akin to what Kroger is doing. While theoretically more efficient in the long run, they present a longer runway to profitability. It's also clearly not easy to do. Kroger just launched its first automated warehouse after signing a deal with Ocado three years ago. On the other hand, micro-fulfillment centers i.e. smaller facilities with fewer, high-turnover SKUs located closer to customers, can facilitate faster service and greater delivery density. However, these micro-fulfillment centers, according to the plan, need Instacart's grocery partners to buy in, and its relationships with the large grocery chains have long been uneasy. Retailers are wary of being displaced and reluctant to let Instacart take over more of the value chain. The major chains have also all been growing their retail advertising businesses and handing over more of the customer relationship to Instacart could threaten that business model. Instacart is in a tenuous position right now. With the unlocking of the world, we can expect to see declining consumer willingness to pay the premium for grocery delivery. Instacart faces a massive rival in Walmart, 47% of the market, which has the price advantage and an extensive network of supercenters to leverage in its quote-unquote bricks-and-click strategy. Automation could bring down prices for Instacart's customers but only with enormous difficulty and disruption to its gig worker model and grocery partnerships. To read more content related to fulfillment and e-commerce, check out our April 23rd, 2021, Three Shifts edition, Kroger's new automated large-scale shed versus its rival's micro-fulfillment strategy. And our August 14th, 2020, Three Shifts edition, all roads lead to e-commerce as retailers invest in fulfillment and online assortment. That's it for this week's Three Shifts Edition. If you'd like to read more content and you're not already subscribed, head to sixpages.com to sign up for free summaries of our deeply researched briefs and the Three Shifts Edition straight to your inbox. Keep an eye out for our upcoming brief on the growth of accessibility features on tech platforms and products. And talk to you again on next week's Three Shifts Edition. <laughs>